Welcome back to 5 a.m. Theology. Rose, we're at the place where Moses makes the bronze snake in Numbers 21, 4 to 9. In this passage, the Israelites are getting close to the promised land. It's towards the end of their 40-year wandering in the wilderness because of their sin, because of their ancestors' sin too. They still haven't learned to trust God, even though he has brought them victory over some enemies just recently. And he's done all this other stuff. Numbers 21 verse 4 tells us the people grew impatient. As I read this, I was thinking, oh, this whole passage is so relatable to me personally is what I was thinking. But I think it probably is to almost all of us. But yeah, they were impatient. They speak against God and against Moses. And as we've heard over and over, they're saying, why have you brought us out of Egypt to kill us in the wilderness? There's no bread. There's no water, blah, blah, blah. And then here they complain about God's provision for them, which is the manna, which actually is a picture of Jesus, the bread from heaven. And then they say something. And I always think, oh, I, Lord, please don't let me ever do this. But I know I already have at least in my heart, in my head, and I probably have said stuff like this out loud, they say, we detest this miserable or wretched, depending on which version you read, we detest this miserable food. So they are really complaining against God's provision for them. Yep. And it's so convicting. First Corinthians 10 says that the Israelites tried the Lord's patience. They were critical of him. And they were exploiting his goodness. Yeah. And that should make us cringe. I know I cringe when I read that. I cringe in self-loathing because I know I've probably done this over and over. Yeah. And like you, I pray that I'm not this bad. I know I'm impatient and I complain, but I pray that I do not get to this level. Everything is in God's hands, including our trials, including the crosses we're told that we will have to bear. But the choice here, the choice for us, the choice for the Israelites here is, are we going to be refined by them or are we going to be defined by them? Well, they were complaining. And you know what? We don't think of that as a big deal. No, but we should. Because again, are you being refined by your trials or are you being defined by them? The Israelites kept getting more bitter and kept complaining more. I mean, we've seen it throughout the book of Exodus and we see it in Leviticus. They grumble against Moses sometimes, which they are really grumbling against God, or they grumble directly against God. We do this too. Are we saying when we have a trial, why did you do this to me, God? Or even worse, how dare you do this to me, God? You're basically telling the sovereign almighty God of the universe that you don't think he's doing a good job and that you could do a better job. Talk about cringeworthy. Yeah, it is cringeworthy. I mean, it's very cringeworthy. And we're going to talk about this in an upcoming episode of No Trash, Just Truth, because we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians 10. But this is a common problem for God's people. It was then and it is now. Yeah. And that's being defined by your trials. And that's different than being refined by them. Being refined by trials means that you lament about your problems and your desires and you pour them out to God while still acknowledging that he is sovereign and he is completely good. I always think of Joseph. He just lived such an upright life and always had his eye on what God was doing. 
And that's so different than these Israelites because their constant complaining and their lack of trust in God led them to a bigger trial here in this passage that we're talking about today. And the Lord sends venomous snakes among them and they bit the people and a lot of the Israelites died. Complaining, like I said, is not a small deal. Multiple yeah. verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament say it, especially in light of complaining, like you said, against the Lord's provision for us and against him and against his leaders. The people cry out to Moses after they're getting bit by snakes and they say, we sinned by speaking against the Lord and you. So they're very specific in their declaration of what they've done wrong. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's they're sorry for their circumstances. Probably a mixture of both, depending on who it is. They know, even though they just grumbled against God, they know that he's the only one who can do something about their circumstances. Are they sorry for offending God? We don't know. I, I'm sure some of them are. Maybe some of them genuinely repented. I think most of them are in the proverbial foxhole. And yeah. as many people do, they're begging God for help when circumstances are beyond their control. And I always question that too, because these people ask, and th this is what they say, they ask that the Lord takes these snakes away and God doesn't take the snakes away. I think that really hit me for the first time this year as I was reading through. I don't know why it didn't before, but he doesn't take the snakes away. And that's what they want. They want their circumstances changed. And it's easy to fall into that. I want my earthly circumstances created because of my sin taken away. I want the circumstances to go away. Absolutely. Human nature. We don't want to pay consequences. No. And God doesn't get rid of those consequences for their sin. He grants life to the people who look to the bronze serpent that he tells Moses to make. And Moses does that. And the people that look to that in faith live. And that's a picture of Jesus on the cross. But they still had consequences to deal with. We can go to the cross for forgiveness of our sins and we're granted eternal life with God. But God doesn't take the consequences of our sin away. Now he forgives them and the eternal consequences are gone because we've looked to Jesus. But the earthly consequences are still here. We still have snakes biting because of our sin. It doesn't get rid of all the pain from the snake bites. And it doesn't keep people, other people, our loved ones, others, maybe generational snake bites. They're getting bit by the snakes of our sin. God doesn't take that away. Yeah. And in this passage, not everybody who gets bitten looks to the pole and they see others looking to the pole and living. This is no different than the people living in Jesus's time, seeing miracles and yet not putting any trust in him. And we see that today. We have friends and relatives that know about our faith, but they never trust in Christ. They never look to him for salvation and they're going to die in their sin. And these people, that was part of the consequence for their complaining was that they had to go and watch some of their friends and family die when they could have looked to the pole and live. And I just, it's just such a picture of sin in the world since it's come into the world. And looking ahead, it's no different in Revelation. When they see the consequences, they see God doing stuff, yet they still refuse to repent and look to God. Chris, what a picture of election. Such a picture that without the Holy Spirit regenerating our hearts, turning our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, that we have no hope at all. 
Yeah. And what do we do as a believer who sees this and has friends and family? Pray for them. Keep praying. God is yes. working. And so just keep praying and praying and praying for them. But Rose, that's not the end of the bronze serpent. This isn't the last time we hear about this bronze serpent that Moses made. In 2 Kings 18.4, we see Judah's king, Hezekiah, breaks this thing apart because the Israelites had turned it into an idol. They were burning incense to it. So they took something good and they turned it into an idol. Yeah, they worshiped the creation, not the creator. And that's a great example of why God instituted the second commandment. He yes, knows how easily people, even his people, fall into idol worship because they'd rather worship something tangible that they can see and touch than something that they can't see or can't touch. Sounds like the golden calf story. It sounds like anything that people worship, even though they're worshiping God, they're doing it in the wrong way. Worshiping God in the wrong way is deadly. Aaron's two sons died of it and it's just wrong. And I'm going to say something that may offend a lot of people, but worshiping the bronze serpent, which was a symbol of Jesus, is no different than worshiping Mary and saints. It's the same thing. You're not worshiping the creator. You're worshiping something created. Mary, the saints, they were created beings. They're not to be worshiped. Rose, it's funny you say that because when I read this passage, that's exactly the thought that came to mind was the Catholic Church. And in case some of you might not know this, the Catholic Church got rid of the second commandment. They did away with it. If you read their 10 commandments, there's no second commandment. What they did was take the 10th commandment, which is don't covet your neighbor's wife or his possessions, and they divided it into two. So they still have 10, but they're not the same. They're not the same no. 10 commandments from Exodus and Deuteronomy. And that blows my mind. We have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The Israelites complained a lot because of their fleshly desires for food and drink. And here we see him sinning again in the flesh. Now, Satan and demons, without a doubt, prowl around looking to trip up God's people and causing them to sin. But the truth is, we seldom need their help. Our flesh and the world do a great job leading us into sin without any help from the demonic world. Absolutely. And that's where we'll end today. Have a great morning, everybody. Thank you.